guess it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Hey! What if the voice calls while you're gone? Take a message. <laughs> Bye! I'm ready for this my whole life. I'm incapable of small talk. <laughs> but that's why you love me, right? Kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. Now, here he is, the host, Buddy Martin. Well, good evening, good evening, and welcome to a Daniel L. Hightower Wednesday night. Another 9 p.m. show. We continue with our summer hours. We'll make some adjustments to those as we get closer to football season with lots of changes coming your way regarding that and multiple changes in programming, additional programming. I was happy today to meet with a friend of mine in Gainesville, uh, and actually McAnope and Franz Beard. We make some big plans for a football show which we'll announce here shortly. Meanwhile, we've got a good show for you tonight, right here on the Buddy Martin Show. Glad you could be with us, Dutch Laney. Dutch is not much of a fan of Mike Bianchi, I see. Uh, Keith Kador. Uh, Keith Kador. Keith is not on the station. We're right here. We're on Facebook Live. And my old buddy from uh, the Ocala Quarterback Club, David Sodaquist, good evening, and Donald Wilder, also Paul Bell. Hello to you folks. Thanks for checking in today with me. Uh, we've got uh, coming up at quarter after the hour, one of your favorites, Graham Hall, who's rapidly becoming very popular on our show, on our network, the Buddy Martin Media Network. And uh, we will be seeing more and more and talking more and more to him because it's Friday Night Lights on Friday. And for those of you who don't know what that is, and there are some, we forget sometimes, some people don't know what that is about. We'll try to explain that to you. Uh, and then later on, I've got a pretty interesting segment with Mike Bianchi, which I recorded earlier today, where he addresses uh, a few things like, for instance, his uh, little feud with Paul Feinbaum, his view of Spurrier, his view of, 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 of Dan Mullen, what he thought of SEC Media Days. He was there. We'll talk with Mike about that. And then we'll run down some other things for you regarding football, Gator football. And do you remember who... The favorite was to become the coach back on the 1st of December or thereabouts. And I've got the old odds list of people who were, and the odds that were given. And uh, some people say, well, that guy was supposed to be the coach. The odds said, no, they didn't. We'll tell you about that little deal as well. First, I want to salute my sponsors. In fact, I'm just going to take this right over my face and just tell folks how much I appreciate these sponsors. And more coming aboard as we speak. We continue to get support from you. We appreciate it. The quarterback club, the Ocala quarterback club, some of you saw the story last week about the Scott Brantley Trophy, which we're so proud of here. More coming on that. This is, of course, Daniel L. Hightower Wednesday. Daniel L. Hightower lawyer fighting for accident victim justice since 1976. Our good friends Tracy uh, and Chris Cumulus from CD Farms, Florida, who sponsored the Monday Night Dilly Dilly Show, along with Mark's Prime down below you see uh, in the 
well, next to Center State Bank. Mark's Prime Restaurant has locations to serve you, Ocala and Gainesville. And, and then uh, left to right, Renstar Medical Research, fine company run by uh, the Stor- Sorrentinos and Brantley, exactly. Uh, and uh, they are doing good work here. They sponsor our other show. And coming aboard as a sponsor this fall, they sponsor our, our town show, which is a non-sports show. And Danny Williams, I, this, this little logo right here in the bottom, uh, I want to salute Danny and tell him how much I appreciate supporting us and the Ocala Quarterback Club. Uh, but uh, this logo, unfortunately, is so big, I can't get it on the screen. So I've spent the last hour and a half trying to resize that logo. But you see it down there, the bottom there, and, of course, Center State Bank, Center State Bank Tuesdays. Thank you, all of you fine folks, for sponsoring our show. We didn't have those folks. We would not be able to do this. And, of course, Daniel Hightower is our primary sponsor today. Uh, and I'll say good evening to all of you folks again. We've got more people checking in tonight. Thank you for doing that. Uh, John Sapp, Alexander Perez, our regular. <clears throat> Duke Penner wants us to go to drive time. Well, Duke, here's what it's about. There's no such thing as drive time in this business now with all digital. Uh, if you want to hear it, you can always go back and listen to it in drive time. This show stays up there forever. All you have to do is go to the Buddy Martin Show page on Facebook, and you can hear it anytime you want to and as many times as you want to. Now, we're working on some changing of times of a few shows, but right now, this is where people seem to want it. Our most listeners and watchers are right here at this hour. Uh, this is just what the facts are. But we'll we'll play with it some, and certainly we're going to be able to to, to take your request. We listen to what you want as well, and we'll make some adjustments in the future. Uh, good evening to you, Darren Rich. I've uh, seen a lot of your brother lately. Nice to hear from my friend Darren. And Becky Smith Carlisle, always around. Baktash Zori says hello, uh, along with Philip Cooper. And I got a comment from Michael Burton I'm going to read. Sylvester Sly Hendrith, and uh, on and on and on they go. Uh, <clears throat> Kevin Zeminski, Roger Burns. Len Tendall, you're right. Everybody wanted either Kelly Frost or Gundy, but the odds are right here. I've got them. Uh, Lynn, I'm going to read them off to you. Lynn, one of our very astute listeners and observers and the assistant chief night, a guy who does a fabulous job on our memberships. We're getting up there toward 3,000, Lynn. We're going to get there. Uh, Rebecca martin Dubeck, back from her vacation in Florida. My daughter, back to Pennsylvania. Good evening to you, dear. How are you? Brent Inglis is saying hello. Joby Mitchell, hello to you. Um, let's see. Uh, all right, I'm not sure what you're talking about. How many will be suspended for their con- confrontation? I don't know what you're talking about here, Keith. I'm not sure what this is about. Uh, maybe somebody can fill me in if I've missed something. I don't know what's confrontation you're talking about. I'm sure Lynn would, though, if there is one. Kenny Hawthorne and, of course, Mary Newberry, Nat Blaylock, Robert Coville. Linda Snyder Kayward, or Coward. Joy McBrayer, Joy, the box is coming. We're waiting on the crown prince to get here with the shoes. And we'll have that to coming to you this week sometime. All right. We're catching up with all of that. I want to tell you about all my sponsors. I want to get it right to the, the heart of the matter. We've got, and coming up, we've got just a minute. We're going to have um, our friend Graham Hall. Uh, but first, we're going to take a minute, and we're going to see if we can't run down our commercial for Dan Hightower. Um, who makes this show possible. No one ever plans a car accident. Having a plan after you've been in one, however, can make a world of difference. 
Daniel L. Hightower has been fighting for accident victim justice in Ocala and statewide since 1976. After meeting with Dan and his team, you'll know your case matters, that you matter, and that Dan will fight hard to get you just results. If you've been severely injured through no fault of your own by a careless or reckless driver, you need Daniel L. Hightower. And our thanks to Daniel L. Hightower, lawyer fighting for accident victim justice since 1976. I spoke with, actually, email back and forth. We're going to get with Dan soon, have a little dinner, catch up on a few things, and talk about the thing he loves, Gator football. Let me tell you about the Ocala Quarterback Club real fast while we, before we get our first guest on. The Ocala Quarterback Club doing some great things. Happy to be a part of it. They have announced, as of this week, they are taking, um, they're taking calls. And they're taking emails, and, and you go to the Facebook page, the Ocala Quarterback Club, check out. Their, they got their speakers up for the year, and uh, they are now accepting applications for membership uh, and renewals for the 110 people who belong last year. So the Ocala Quarterback Club is doing its thing, and uh, they want you to know that they're going to be there this year again at the Elks Club. They'd like you to contact us, uh, if you can, to let us know uh, what your situation is if you'd like to join and i do have somewhere here my number which i'll get to you in a second but you can call if you're interested i'll put it up on the screen later so that's that coming up on the 22nd of august will be our megan mullen night family night the wife of coach mullen will join us and we will have uh, those tickets cost 20 dollars a piece uh there you can find out about them on facebook the Coca-Cola quarterback club as well they're going to be sold out we already they're going fast I mean, we barely got them printed, and we had 30 out the door. So if you have any intentions, you better move fast. Members get a priority, and then it'll be open to the public. So it will be a sellout for sure. And, of course, Center State Bank is our partner in this. Center State makes it possible to have a really good evening there on their second floor, which is used for art galleries and shows and what have you. It'll probably we'll get about 110 or 15 people in there. We're going to have some terrific food for you that night. We're going to have a little bit of libation. And, of course, family night is for people to come and enjoy themselves and as a family. And, of course, sometimes the spouse gets to go along, or girlfriend or boyfriend. We have female members. So if you're interested in that, you should know. Center State Bank, centered on community and customer service. They do a great job. They're locally market-driven. They have a long-term horizon in terms of their views of finance, uh, world-class service, relationship banking, and they believe in faith and family. They have... 82 locations in 30 Florida counties and a few in South Georgia to serve you. You can check them out on centerstatebank.com. At Ocala, you can call 352-366-6800. Center State Bank, centered on community and customer service. Okay, let's get back to our conversation. Good evening to all you folks checking in tonight. Appreciate that very much. Um, and we're going to step in and wait just a minute to get our friend Graham Hall on this. Uh Lynn was talking about the odds. I do have them here in front of me. I, I can't post them on the screen at the moment. But uh, this is, I looked these up. These odds were October 31st of last year. Uh, and someone said, well, Willie Taggart was the favorite. No, not even close. He wasn't the favorite. And this is what it looked like. Uh, Dan Mullen, by the way, was plus 450. Ranked behind Scott Frost as the favorite on that day. Scott Frost was the favorite to get the job. We all know what happened there. Uh, then Mike Norvell, remember him? He was next in line, Mike Norvell, and Chip Kelly was behind him. And, of course, we know Chip Kelly moved to the top of the list later on. Followed by Dino Babers, Bob Stoops, he retired. 
Matt Campbell from Iowa State. We forgot about him. Jeff Brome, Chad Morris, Randy Shannon. Boy, that, that's an interesting name. He's not even on the staff anymore. Uh, and then on down, Willie Taggart was 2,000 to 1. Uh, actually, plus 900. Uh, and so Mike Gundy was behind him. And then Lane Kiffin, Charlie Strong, and Urban Meyer. Of course, that's not going to happen. I have a comment about Urban Meyer I'll make later tonight. Let me get to you on one thing. I have a question here uh, and a comment uh, from Michael Burton, who checked in said, number one, buddy, your part two article on the Skywriter subject is superb. Thank you very much. For those who don't know what we're talking about there, you can go to our website, which is in, under construction, but we're getting there all the time, and we got pieces posted there. And the series, uh, which is uh, the Southeastern Conference Skywriters Tour, it's called uh, um, College Football in Black and White uh, under BuddyMartinMedia.com. That series is there. And he says also, what is Friday Night Lights? Okay. I went to the first one, and I was trying to think of how to describe it. Some of you people can help me with this. It's a, it's really a chance for prospects to come and show their stuff. It'll be kind of like a, a, a kind of like a, a clinic, but really they're invited to come and to uh, and to and to get some coaching for the coaches. Work out under the lights on a Friday night, obviously. Show what they got. Get evaluated. And if there's someone who might be uh, a can, uh, might be a, 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 a potential Gator, uh, then they can express themselves thusly. And usually they'll have a commitment or two. And also, uh, the, it gives a chance to, for the coaching staff to kind of put a bug in the ear of people that they want them and being offered. So there you go. So um, let's see what this is. All right. So what is this about uh, the confrontation? David Soderquist, they got into a confrontation with a guy with no violence. Uh, let's see what this is about. Graham is there. Let's see what Graham's got to say. But Graham may know about this. I'll get it. Okay. Uh, okay, here it is. Uh, that's what he's talking about. Football. All right, I'm just hearing about this, and I'll post this right now. He'll be on momentarily. He's probably working on the story. Hey, guys, about to be on the show, but some bad UF news just dropped. I'll have a write-up soon, but here's the First Coast News link. Uh, article, Sports College Football Florida Gators players face student conduct violations for on-campus confrontation with weapons. Uh-oh. This is not good. This is not good. Uh, I'm just hearing this myself. Maybe we'll be able to get Graham home in a moment asking what that's all about. On the heels of the Justin Watkins thing, this is not a good thing to happen. Uh, we'll get back to Friday Night Lights in a minute, but this is breaking news. Uh, and let's see if we can get a hold of Graham. Let's see, he may be working on the story, may not be able to do it. But let's uh, let's give it a shot and see if we can get reach him and find out from him what's going on here. Now, there you see Graham's note there on the screen. And hopefully he's going to be joining us here in just a moment. <clears throat> so you stand by a second. We'll have Graham Hall up in just a moment. He may be working on the story. I believe we got Graham now. Graham? Hey, buddy. How you doing? All right. I get you at a bad time. You got to, you're working oh, you're on great. it. great. Absolutely. Good to be on. Good to be on. No yeah. worries. I'm working on this in a little bit. Sorry. I'm just closing some browsers real fast. Yes. Um, you saw the link I just dropped. I was uh, that, that news just came out about 835. Um, nothing. No criminal charges. I guess I'll cut right to the chase right yes, there. Yes, please do. Um, that's the big news. No criminal charges. Um, Kadarius Tony seemed to have an incident with some guy and claimed that they faced – a few incidents in the recent recent past that involved guys getting into fights with them, and, and Kadarius Tony felt 
the need to get an airsoft gun that looked like an AR-15, which is very, very, you know, worrisome in today's climate, today's day and age. You know, you never know what can happen if a, you know, police officer, you know, you, I don't need to tell people. Um, but anyway, they, they found that he had painted the orange tip black to even more resemble a real gun to, to basically threaten people. Um, Kadarius Tony has had a few things that have made the public worry a little bit outside of his bright future. Um, there, there have been a few rap videos. I mean, obviously, I'm a big rap fan as well, and, and I'm not trying to condone, you know, or, or like criticize that at all, mm -hmm. or obviously condone gun violence in any way. But mm -hmm. he does talk about some things that, you know, that every hip hop artist kind of really talks about. Um, but this, and telling police that he felt a need to carry an AR-15 around UF campus to keep himself safe is pretty, pretty worrisome, especially coming on the news of the Justin Watkins situation. They both occurred at, uh, occurred at the same place, Keys Residential Complex, which is a very common. Uh, place for freshman and sophomore football players to live. Um, Siante Lewis is also in the First Coast News story talking about him being involved with a gambler, which seems to be a UF problem as of late. I know that you, you remember the Antonio Callaway story. The big yes. problem was that he was hanging around a guy with multiple felony convictions. Um, well, I'm not saying that this is ob obviously the same, you know, crop or anything like that. Uh, Siante Lewis is a guy who probably needs to, you know, keep himself clean and has come a long way to repairing his image from the guy who you know, beat someone with a football helmet. So um, this is a pretty worrisome story, especially you see that it involves Rick Wells' third violation, if you if you count the credit card fraud scandal and um, the first one when he was a, a freshman um, that kept him out for a little while. Um, that's pretty worrisome as well. And then Emory Jones is involved as well as being oh one of the people. Oh um, I've heard other rumors that there could be up to 15 people speculated for the are suspended for the first game against Charleston Southern, maybe even more. Um, but this is certainly not a great thing to have oh going gosh. into the season, especially when, as I said in the comments, that Dan Mullen had a very strong so showing, one of the top showings at SEC Media Days when it comes to we're talking about the improvements in your program. So 24 hours, two incidents for Florida when, you know, I'd come on here and said this is the period where you're really kind of crossing your fingers that you get through the season, get to fall camp, which is less than a week away without – any incidents like this so very unfortunate that happened i don't think anything criminal is going to come of it but it's just another way that florida's in the limelight for all the wrong reasons when they've done a lot of good things to be on, on the right side of of that from a pr standpoint buddy this is terrible news let's not sugarcoat it this is terrible news it's exactly what you you were hoping you weren't going to get out of this team and it's the very thing that got this team in, uh, in, in trouble a year ago, and McElwain never recovered from it. I, I'm not saying that was the only reason, but certainly uh, this kind of thing, you're talking about guns, you're talking about gambling, you're talking about the things that you just don't want your team involved in, and the conduct, of course, it's so hard to police these guys, but everybody wants to trash Urban Meyer for his problems. Every coach has this. And now it's raising its ugly head here for Dan Mullen, and it's not a very good look. It's terrible optics, and the fact that they're going to suspend 15 people for the first game, they'll probably win the game because it, you know because the opponent's not good enough. But this is a bad look for the Florida Gators 2018. Yeah, definitely. And you also you think back to years past that even though these are minor violations, and I said nothing criminal is going to come of it. Just in today's climate, you don't need to do something criminal in that matter or be even found guilty of anything to be dismissed from a football team. We often forget that having a scholarship to play football at the University of Florida or any of the 127 Division I schools is a privilege and that it's up to the program if they want to dismiss you for something as little as violation of team rules. We've seen 
a guy who's as great as Janoris Jenkins be dismissed from the UF football program by Will Muschamp for a second marijuana violation just because he kind of wanted to send a message. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, I'm not going to say this is necessarily the name that's going to be the guy dismissed, but I wouldn't be surprised if Siante Lewis, you know, he's had other violations. Yeah. He's had inner team dust-ups. I don't know what he does for team chemistry. I'm not criticizing him as a person. But Dan Mullen has a very good tight end waiting in the wings and Kyle Pitts. And, you know, Kamori Gamble was a former four-star tight end who could have a lot of potential. And they have Lucas Skrull coming in. So I could understand if he really wanted to send a message that this is not acceptable at the Florida football program, which Dan Mullen has done, has talked often in metaphors in a way about restoring the football brand, the Florida football brand and the Florida football program is one of the prestige programs. I would not be surprised if he used someone as an example to say guns and gambling aren't going to be tolerated here. Even if the law is not going to convict you, I'm not going to have that going around in my program in the first year that I'm trying to start a program up. That's That can be sometimes a program killer or at least a program setback if you have any of those guys in a locker room that can be kind of cancerous in a way. I'm not trying to you know, indict anyone as a person, but it, you know, this kind of does speak to someone's character. Your actions do define who you are. And I could understand that Dan Mullen doesn't want to jeopardize losing a locker room or dividing a locker room or making any behavior condonable in his first eight months on the job. Exactly. All right. Now let's get back to this. And, you know, uh, take me through from the very first moment when you heard about this and how it unfolded to you and as it began to get more and more news, it obviously began to weigh heavier because this news got worse and worse for Mullen. We won't know until the dust settles tomorrow, the next day, of what kind of disciplinary action will be taken. But you know there's going to be something, as you said. Hard to deal in the rumors, but Mullen almost can't not do something. And, of course, luckily they're not playing Kentucky or Tennessee in the first game of the season, which is a good thing because sure. they'll have a chance to overcome this. So take me back to that moment when you heard about it, your immediate reaction, and you can work on the story now. What's going? What's the deal? I only heard about this about 30 minutes ago. Oh, how did you hear about it? You happen to read about it? Someone call you or what happened? I just I just saw the link on social media. Mm -hmm. um, from what I understand, it being not a criminal case, someone must have been tipped off from the inside that something was happening. Uh, Vernell Brown. Um, a former player who now works as one of the player directors, kind of in the former capacity um, that a few of the other deans who now have left worked in, like George Wynn uh, worked in. And then he deals with players um, who have to deal with the student code of conduct at UF and the university police department. Um, he's one of the guys who, you know, obviously their parents aren't in town. If they get in trouble with the law, they go they go and handle a lot of the paperwork and, and the back end of things. Um, so Brown is probably one of the first to find out, and I doubt that Dan Mullen found out unless he within the last 30 minutes um that's how they're just finding out about this they probably found out about it through the media because it would require the team coming forward uh the university wouldn't go to dan mullen and say we found out that your players were doing this that relationship doesn't really exist at universities um so they probably found out from the media and i think that dan mullen's gonna have to get a little more facts but i would not be surprised if tomorrow morning we had a statement or maybe even later tonight we heard yeah. a statement saying that these guys were suspended for the first game or that some of these guys, Rick Wells, that's a very interesting case. We haven't seen much production from him, a lot of potential. He, he looks very bulked up for this season. Uh, they obviously have a lot of wealth at the wide receiver position, but he's been involved in every single big legal or, you know, I, I guess in this case, a civil issue. But he's been involved in every potential criminal issue that's been major at Florida so far 
in his young career. He has, he's, keeps on building the mountain bigger for him to climb to even get back to the level of living up to the four-star potential he had as a big Jacksonville recruit. So I could see Dan Mullen using one of those guys or Siante Lewis as, as, a, as, as you know, a symbol that you can't do this in our program. So we'll find out tomorrow. This is all very, very fresh right now. Everyone's reacting right now, myself as well. I need to actually get the documents uh, that are possible to get in front of me and find out some more info on this case before I can really have a, um, a yeah. full-out opinion. But it seems yeah. like from the, the way that it was written so far, it is not great news. Yeah, I'm, and I, I know if you've got to go and go work on the story, let me know. No, it's, it's okay. Uh, it's okay. Uh, uh, I, I, you know, uh, I was just getting, I, I was just settling in to talk about Justin Watkins. Sure. I've done a little research there on some people who coach him and knew him and the issues. And one person told me, uh, actually, well, when they signed him, when they got a commitment from him, this is nothing but trouble. He said, Mark, this guy's not a coach, but he's well-connected in the football community and here at high school level. He says, this kid is nothing but trouble. I would be very shocked. If he ever played it down, or didn't, or ever graduated from Florida, because he's been in trouble every place he's been, and not to trash the kid, I don't want to do that. But it was written in the in the stars that Justin Watkins was going to be trouble. Having said that, you weigh that against well, maybe the kid can change. Well, maybe he didn't have a good parenting at home. Maybe he just needs someone to give him a second chance, and we're all for that. But the fact is that it is not a good sign that this, in fact, comes about. He's t- he's down the road. He's history. I guess he's still sitting in jail unless somebody made his bond because he had I two. He's out. Right. I was told that he's out. He's out. Okay. So someone yeah. made his bond. Two felonies, right? Yeah, uh, two felonies. Um, both those felonies are worth fifteen thousand in bond each, and each misdemeanor is a five thousand dollar bond. Yes. And so so now we have that to deal with. But, all right. Well, that's one of those things. You say they took a shot and they got it wrong, and well, okay then. Now this is really troubling. Because it's it does involve a lot of things. You just mentioned Kadarius Tony, a guy that people got great hopes for that could contribute to this team, yeah. uh, and and you mentioned that there had been a little bit of issues. I didn't know this about Tony. You're telling me stuff I don't know because you know this, but that he's had a few dust ups already. Nothing major apparently, but he's had a few dust ups. Now things get, that wouldn't look great from a PR standpoint, I, I guess. Well, I guess. well, but look, here's the thing: a gun isn't played now. Yeah, Anytime there's a gun in play, they now have issues. Look, I go back to a long time where players used to use shotguns to shoot the dormitory doors. And anytime there's a gun involved, it's nothing but bad. And yeah. this is not a good thing. It's a big mark against a young player that many of us, I included, had great hopes for. I thought he, he was one of my favorite players in terms of all his contributions. Were. I said, now we're hearing – that Rick Wells, who, let's be honest, quote-unquote troublemaker, that's what he's been, right, yet again involved, all right? I'm not going to judge these guys. I don't know the facts, so I can't sit here and tell you, but it's not got a good feel to it. The optics are very bad. It gets Dan Mullen, and Dan Mullen had a no-hitter going, you know, until about a a week ago. Okay, there was a little complaint about (laughs) <laughs> Lack of signing recruits and not getting sure, the guys sure. and all that. And, okay, well, fine. Well, but never everything was going good and summer was quiet and bam, July comes along and the middle of July hits and here it comes. And the, and now the bad news has rolled in with a, I won't call it a tsunami, a big wave of bad news just hit Gainesville. Yeah, and I think after the entire summer, a lot of these guys and even into spring have kind of 
portrayed the message that, you know, we're finally taking things seriously. This is our time. And then to do this is kind of even a, a bigger slap in the face for some people, for sure, because this is very similar to, you know, even you think back to Tyree Cleveland when he was shooting a, a airsoft gun into yeah. a building at someone that was yeah. a year ago, um, actually two mm-hmm. years ago now. Um, you think that, you know, we're, they're just going in circles when people keep claiming that there's change. That's pretty much the definition of insanity when you're doing the same mm-hmm. thing, expecting different results. Um, I don't know when, you know, people are going to realize that it's not a good idea to flash guns around a campus, especially in a town of 120,000 people that has three working police departments. That's just not common sense at all. Um, I think that's like the bigger issue at hand is the judgment making. Um, obviously, with Justin Watkins, you know, you talk about from a recruiting standpoint, uh, you know, you have fans. I know that a lot of it is positivity and spin and there's spin at every, poli- you know, uh, recruiting uh, fan base. Um, but you look at Justin Watkins, a kid who recruited to four different programs before rec- committing to Florida. Maybe that was a, a class filler by Dan Mullen, who, like you said, a lot of people, you know, said, don't touch this kid. He's never going to see the field at Florida. Um, you're just taking him because ESPN had him ranked as the 29th overall player in the top 300. Maybe that is a situation like that, or maybe it's a situation kind of like how Jim McElwain saw, you know, James Robinson and, and, and I guess the Darius Lemons as well. He saw them as players who had a few knocks on them and throughout high school and a few character issues, but he thought he could revive them. And uh, one of them, you know, never was able to even play through a hard issue. And one of them is on the upper is on the rise for sure and is doing very well and has stayed out of any issues in a Darius Lemons. So you never really know if they're a filler or they really think that they can, um, you know, change this young man and it seems that um from justin Watkins' standpoint before he could ever even hit fall camp or even be in an organized team meeting that he's not going to even get that chance and i think that that's very sad in a way um because maybe with some more discipline some more structure being around a team locker room and going through a season that he could uh grow and mature because that seems a lot of these issues i'm not condoning them in any way it seems a lot of those issues um, and young men do stem from some maturity issues and some developmental issues as the greater root of those problems. Um, so maybe he, it would have been better for him if he got into a UF locker room and could have changed. But obviously, I don't think he deserves that uh, after what has come out of him in the last 11 weeks, buddy. Yeah, okay, there's some conversation going on by some of our more intelligent folks um, yeah. who are talking about guns and how uh, that this air rifle is not a gun. As far yeah. as the cops are concerned, it's a gun. That, that I can it's tell what you. It's, it's what no. it does to people. In no, it's not the same thing. We get it. it doesn't have an explosion and all that. Yeah. It's air. But as far as the cops are room, fine. Yeah. But bringing it out onto public campus when there's been a, you know, a mass right. of school shootings, that's pretty much, you know, you can't argue with that fact. Um, and, and then arguing with the cop that, you know, you think you should carry it around mm-hmm. because people scare you in public. That may be, you know, you can call that what you want, but that that's a greater issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, it's a tough situation because there's no criminal charges involved, and that usually means that nothing was, you know, wrong was done. But this is a situation that's probably unique in today's society. Fifty years ago, you know, that would have been seen as just in some good fun, and they were just, you know, pulling pranks on people. But today's climate, unfortunately, that just doesn't fly. And I'm not saying that that's wrong or right, or you know, you can get into discussions about PC and whatnot. But that's just the fact of the matter. And obviously, the police um, felt that it was worth. Uh, recommending them to go to the student conduct at UF4. Yeah. And, and I will say, Len's right, felony charges are not a felony conviction. And I do sure. know there have been other Gator players arrested. And by the way, all the troubles Urban Meyer allegedly had at Florida, he did have some, he never had a felony conviction. Never. And, and so it's not the same thing. And I want to make sure Len's right. 
we get a little hectic about this and we start, but it is a very bad look and a very bad time at a oh, yeah. team that was looking like it might be having great chemistry and good thing. We spoke to hope to hear good reports. Let's just recap one more time for those just checking in what you just told us. Recap what you can. Let's move on to Friday Night Lights. Otherwise, we'll be doing this whole thing all night long. Sure. And, it's, and thanks for the breaking news, by the way. It's great. Yeah, no problem. Absolutely. Uh, multiple UF players, some of them true freshmen like Emory Jones, uh, four-star quarterback signee, uh, have been recommended to go to the Student Code of Conduct um, uh, hearing at the University of Florida for flashing around AR-15s and other airsoft guns um, that have been painted to look like real guns where the orange tips have been covered. Um, the University Police Department recommended that they uh, go to the student conduct and be, face some kind of discipline. Um, what kind of discipline they'll face from the team is still up in the air. Dan Mullen and, and uh, the University of Florida Police, uh, Football Department have not ruled or said anything about the, the fate of those guys, but um, definitely not a good look for Florida, who has had two now profile hit, uh, two now two high profile incidents in 24 hours. Yeah, really. Uh, so, but Friday Night Lights is coming up, like you said. Um, obviously, that doesn't you know change the PR for Florida in any way. Um, but Dan Mullen will be back out in public, hosting a camp on Friday that'll feature um, some of the top recruits in the 2020 class uh, and most of Florida's commitments in the 2019 class. It doesn't have all the fanfare um, that Florida really had. Uh, last year when they had, you know, Matt Corral and Justin Fields right. and Jake Copeland and Jamar Chase and all those guys. And Justin Watkins was there as well. And um, obviously, uh, Florida will be about building for uh, on the 2020 and 2021 cycle because you look at some of those guys, three five stars in the 2020 class, including one of the top defensive ends. And, that, you know, in the 2019 class, there are some good names like Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, a, a five star outside linebacker and the tight end from Lake, uh, Lakeland, Keon Zipperer who is probably the tight, uh, top tight end left on Florida's board after they've missed on guys like Ethan Ray and a few others. So it, it could be a good recruiting weekend for Florida if they build some momentum with some guys because there certainly have been, I guess, some perceived misses on the recruiting trail. Uh, that's a very fair assessment, obviously. But there have been some misses, and Florida is kind of looking uh, for some momentum. And it could happen on Friday. But uh, and, and yeah, certainly, you know, it was pegged to be a big July and they've just got one commitment and missed on multiple others that people thought that they'd be in the running for and ones that they devoted a lot of recruiting resources towards. So this could be the start of a good run for Florida or it could kind of keep up the lack of momentum heading into fall camp, which would only kind of add to a little bit of the negative momentum, certain, certainly the negative momentum that's come out of um, these two recent uh, arrest stories or stories involving law enforcement, buddy. All right, for the person who asked earlier tonight about trying to explain what Friday Night's Lights is, for someone who say, okay, this is all new to me, um, uh, tell people who would be like an outsider that sure. uh, you say, okay, this is what it's about. Sure. Well, Florida gets the opportunity to host a few camps throughout the year where they devote resources to having kids from all around come in on unofficial visits, meaning that they pay their own way. Usually it's 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 billed as a, a camp. You know, they get instruction from current UF coaches and assistants, but it gives them a chance to get some of the top recruits here to tour them around campus and really get a chance to interact with them one on one in an in-person basis. So this is the biggest one where Florida gets the most kids in. Um, it moves to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium around seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night, where there's usually a a quarterback competition, a wide receiver competition, uh, where wide receivers go against DBs and the, some of the top quarterbacks who are there uh, throw to them. And that's always been a big event. There have been some top names there in the past, like Jerry Judy, uh, Calvin Ridley. Um, you look at guys like uh, Mike Hartley. Um, there have been some big names recently who have been there in attendance 
Um, this, this year will be more focused on the future, like I said. Um, but Florida needs some recruiting momentum for the future because they didn't do kind of enough preparation for this class between the coaching transition. So this is a big event for the future for Florida and could give some, them some, some momentum right now on the current trail. It's usually billed as Florida's biggest recruiting showcase. You can use that term if you want, but really, it's really a chance to kind of show off your program, show off your coaching staff, get some kids in the door, um, and build some momentum. Yeah, all right, so so are there one or two, and you may have mentioned a one or two in there, players that kind of uh, they're hoping will come their way after Friday Night Lights? Yeah, I think the big one is Keon Zipperer. Uh, they've expressed a need, especially Larry Scott has expressed a need to get two tight ends in this class, especially – I mean, I know this is brand new news, but if, if the issue with Siante Lewis comes to fruition and he's suspended or they can't count on him or, or lo and behold, he's not on the team, uh, that leaves probably just two tight ends on the, on the roster next year. They probably have to get two tight ends in this class, and they've missed on some high-profile targets. So that's the position I think they certainly need to address, and they're not really bringing in anyone into town except Keon Zipperer. So I think that all the recruiting – resources need to be devoted to kind of rolling out the red carpet for Zipperer because getting a guy like him in your class is certainly a huge momentum booster. Um, you haven't really got great offensive players like him in this class. Um, so that'd be great, but they have a lot of work to do with Zipperer. He said he wanted to leave the state. He to get out of Leyland. He's got offers from Alabama. It's going to kind of come down to the wire for him because everyone really wants this kid. So Florida was in it early. Now they've kind of fallen out of it. I think that he's the name to watch. If they don't get him, it's not the end of the world. But I think you have to get at least one commitment this weekend. Yeah. All right. So, and and do you? It's even hard now to start talking about it because there are bigger fish to fry with all this. But uh, the 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 issue now is: Do you think Florida is going to be okay in the recruiting department as we speak? And I think we're talking about making up ground if they get the program going in the right direction and things begin to happen. That I think they will, in fact. Get uh, uh, catch up, but what's the word on the street out there? There's a lot of negative yeah, talk. Well, I, I think it all does come down to what they do on the field, and most people around here do believe that Mullen's going to do great things for the offense, myself included. I think that they're going to get eight wins at least, maybe nine, possibly if seven's not bad at all. But most of the recruits that they're targeting aren't the three stars. You know, they're four stars and five stars. There's some three stars in there, but they're not just going for every single target that comes their way. Um, I think that Florida believes that they, if they put eight wins on the field, enough of the guys that they've stayed in the mix for are going to want to flip. You know, you think about it last year. Florida had so much momentum. It was literally the complete opposite of it is right now. They got Matt Corral, Copeland, Jamar Chase, Curtis Dunlap, and then they only win four games. And all those guys decommit. They leave. The coach is fired. So really – it all is determined on the field. What you do in July can certainly help. What you do in June can certainly boost you through the rest of the summer, boot, give you some momentum in the season. Um, but certainly it's not the end-all, be-all. If Florida comes out and looks like they have a great offense, if they look good on defense, those recruits are going to come. It's just natural. Not everyone that they're after right now wants to buy in on a program that only won four games last year. I know that everyone hates hearing that, and I hate saying it. But the fact of the matter is they want to see some improvement the fact that they're showing interest in Florida alone should be enough because it shows that when it all comes down to signing day, Florida's still going to be there. Yeah. All right, I'm going to put something up on the screen. I hope you can see it. This all is right, I got to switch browsers. Uh, it's okay. Well, it's okay. I'll read it to you. It's a story here uh, okay. from uh, from Bleacher Report, and it's from Channel 
WTLV is it? Whatever. And it's a story that I'm just going over right now. It's the first Coast News story that you've yep. seen. And I think we should be able to see this. Let's see if we can see it here. Yeah. Um, let's see here if I can see this on the screen. I'll give it a shot. It's a story about what happened. Um, and I'm okay. going to read it out to you aloud if I can get it back up on my screen. Hang on for one second. Well, it's not going to play ball. Play nice with me. Uh, I've got the story here, and here's what it says. Multiple University of Florida football players face possible university discipline after an on-campus confrontation involving airsoft guns and lying to police. So now we're hearing that there's more than one gun. This is yep. a story written by Matt Head. I'm not sure. This is the one that I think you had the link on, First Coast yep. News. The confrontation occurred at University's Keys Residential Complex, on the evening of May 28th. So this is not new. Yeah, uh, May 20th. Yeah. May 28th. It involves several UF football players and a Gainesville area gambler. That's the guy you mentioned before, Devontae Zachary, a.k.a. Tay Bang, and his friends, according to UF police report obtained by First Coast News. University police began the investigation after a witness called 911 in reference to a suspicious person. The witness said he saw 10 people arguing and believed they had guns. The witness added, the weapons resemble assault rifles. As you said, Graham, they painted the tip of it black. The scene was captured on surveillance and cell phone video. 17-page incident report states the video shows about 10 to 15 individuals holding what appeared to be weapons. According to the report, Zachary, 21, his friends were waiting for the football players in the dorms. Football players began to confront the group, but left in vehicles, the report states. As the group left, they could be heard yelling, we're coming back strapped, the report states. The other group returned and a confrontation ensued. One player reported the group had a baseball bat, a, a red laser being pointed at another player's chest, another individual threatening, come any closer, I'll spray you. Zachary told police he observed one football player holding some sort of assault rifle and some others were holding rocks. Police wrote they didn't believe Zachary's story. They thought he was minimizing the incidents uh, he was describing. According to the player, they, once they heard the police sirens and everyone left, Okay, now we get into Siante Lewis. According to University Police interview with tight end Siante Lewis, Zachary had a good relationship, quote-unquote, with Lewis. While the football team was winning, but when they began to losing, Tay Bang would call them garbage and would complain about losing money after you bet on football games. This gets really interesting. The report also says Lewis stopped associating with Zachary. According to Zachary's interview with police, the issues initially began with some joking around, but has since become more aggressive. The only person who says Zachary was gambling was Lewis. Zachary couldn't be true. All right, this is a story you put up. I think that's a link you put up, right? Yep. Okay. Yep, that's it. So I wanted to make sure I wonder. All right. So there is a little more to it than I thought. It is an older yep. event. You may have pointed that out. I missed it. Uh, and uh, obviously, uh, there were some several weapons of some kind there. All right. So that's what we know. Good job by you. Thank you for going to all the trouble to let us know that. Sure, Keep yeah, us I in the loop. Go my own version of we got, we, we got, yeah. Well, you go get your story written, my friend. Thank you. Great job. We appreciate that very much. I'll save some of the other stuff I had for you for our next time. Yeah, we'll talk soon. We'll talk after Friday. All right. Night. Great so, job. Thank you, Graham. Graham Hall. Everybody take care all out right, there. All right, my friend. Thank you very much, Graham Hall. Well, how about that? Okay. There's a little news for you, folks. little news for you. We have a lot to talk about tonight, don't we? We do. Let me get this in real fast, and we'll get her to our Bianchi interview in a little bit. You won't mind if we go over a little bit tonight, will you? Uh, we'll talk to, to Mike Bianchi about a few things there. Uh, I want to mention, by the way, if I may, 
that uh, we're really happy to have our fine sponsorships. I mentioned them earlier, uh, certainly Mark, Mark's Prime. Uh, uh, okay, let's see. I had somebody, Graham tried to call me in. <clears throat> Mark's Prime uh, located in Ocala, Gainesville. Two locations to serve you. Uh, if you want a really classy steak, a place and a good steak. I, I, I equate this to other steakhouses I've been to in other cities like New York or Chicago, whatever. And Mark's Prime gives it to you. Just like It's classy and good. And the atmosphere is terrific. And the food is excellent. The steaks are good. Naturally, you grow fresh vegetables. Uh, really a good place to go for a special night. If you've got an anniversary or engagement or wedding uh, reception, whatever, uh, check out Mark's Prime. You can call him in Gainesville at uh, 352-336-077 or uh, in Ocala, 352-402-0097. Uh, they have a goal to create a unique dining experience for you, and which is, this is what they do. Uh, my friend Cindy does a terrific job at both locations, which she manages. And uh, you can go online uh, to Mark's Prime uh, Steakhouse and Seafood. Check them out. Find out what they got. Look at their menu. They have premium wines there. You're going to love it there, I promise you, if you go. Um, and it's a little more expensive than your average place. But this is what you, when you go and you pay for it, like I say, I don't mind paying if I get my money's worth. And I've always gotten my money's worth at Mark's Prime. So check them out, Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood. Thanks to Danny Williams. I would put his uh, I'd put his logo on the screen. Well, I'm gonna put it up anyway. You know, it'll blow us out of the water. I've been trying to I've been trying to size it all night long, and I can't do anything else with that with it. I'm sorry, but Danny Williams uh, appraisal team. Uh, they're uh, they're a big supporter of the local events here in town and the Ocala Quarterback Club. Uh, they're a, they they're people who. Uh, who do a great job for you appraising your property. I've had them do it for me. Uh, they're very reasonable. If you want experience in unbiased residential real estate, uh, check them out. Central Florida's Marion County, Levy County, Citrus County, Lake County, Sumter County, Lotcher County. For over 45 years, they've uh, they've been doing this. They're honest and reliable, uh, and uh, they got the long-term knowledge of the local real estate market, which is what you want. So go online to WilliamsAppraisalTeam.com. Find out more about them, and uh, you'll be glad you did if you want a good, honest appraisal and something you can count on. They're reliable. Danny Williams Appraisal Team. Okay, uh, let's see. Let me catch up with what you folks got tonight. Um, like I said, we had a little breaking news going on. You're right. Um, let's see uh, what's going on here with the troops tonight. Um yeah, uh, it, it didn't go well today, did it? It didn't go well today. This is not something that news that Gator fans wanted to hear because I can hear it coming now. Here come the FSU trolls, and you might as well get used to it. Uh, and and you know, when, you, when, you, when, you get, when you make these mistakes, you pay for them. And there's a, there's a big stripe across the back of the Gators' back right now that these kids got by hanging around with the wrong people, doing the wrong things, uh, and, you know, and, and, and when you get involved with guns and gamblers, nothing good can happen unless you're out a hunter and you're out doing something for getting something for dinner. So we all know this story. We've seen it before. Um, and I think Lamar Albert, I'll put his comment on, oh, this is a little discouraging, but they'll get through this. But I want to just say that this is the kind of thing you hear. Uh, I'm a gator all day, but these players have got to do better. Understand this is an opportunity to get a great education and provide you for your family for the future. You're absolutely 100% right, Lamar. You're, you're, you're right. But you know what? It's the mystery that unfolds all the time. You think, what are they doing? 
what are they doing? And aren't they thinking? You know. And unfortunately, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids don't think like you didn't, by the way. Um, so uh, I'm sorry we didn't get to some of your recruiting questions. I know Linda had a question about the kids from Trinity. We'll get a more we'll get a report from Graham on Monday because he'll go to Friday Night Lights. Uh, and um, he, and you know, Joey wants to talk about positive leadership. That's certainly the thing you're looking for. But right now, you don't know who the leaders are on this team. You you know the ones that went to media days, those three guys. But you know, you're looking for it. And when will we have our next Danny and Tim? You know what? Maybe never. That's the thing that you have to understand. I said this over and over and over. And those of you who knew me back then, when I was running another website and writing and broadcasting, and I said this multiple times, and people got tired of me saying it. And it's simply this. Enjoy this while you have it. Tim Tebow's don't come along very often. Gators football teams don't win national championships. The problem is that we have short memories. And once they get on top, we can't understand why they don't keep winning. We don't have more Tim Tebow's, and we don't, and they don't, they don't uh, do the right thing all the time. This is the real world we're in now. So when things get good, learn to appreciate it. And then things get bad, learn to ride it out. Don't panic. This too shall pass. Nobody killed anybody. It's not a good look. It's not a good optic. Disappointed? Yes, we are. But on the other hand. Almost every year we get disappointed. They're not choir boys, okay? This is the reality of it. So as we look at the situation and size it up, we just have to say you hope you have leadership at the top in the coach's office. I think they got the right people in the athletic department. They've got the right coach. Um, and, and this will pass, but it's tough right now when you're starting out a program. You're trying to get started on the right uh, – Hmm. Well, I'm, uh, well, we're hearing new music, strange music. Lynn Tindall said it right. Um, it happens every day on every campus. We are dialed into University of Florida, so we hear more. That's it, right. You're a wise guy, Lynn. You have a lot of good advice. That's very true. Uh, don't panic. It's not the football team is not falling apart. The program is not. It will recover from this. This is a major hiccup and maybe a pothole. Let's hope it doesn't turn into something worse. That's the key. Can it? Can they stabilize it? And this is kind of the you know, this is kind of the thing you have to understand. And David Soderquist talking about Urban kind of let kids get away with stuff too, so he can't say much. Well, there's more to the Urban Meyer story than what you know, David. I, I don't want to. I want. I don't want to act like I know it all because I don't. And I recognize there were problems under Urban's program. And there are problems right now with Urban, with the kid he had at Florida, the grandson of, uh, of, of, of Earl Bruce, who was his, one, his second father. And Zach Smith had to be released as coach of the wide receivers at Ohio State. But the implication that Urban was soft on crime and let kids get away with things is not true. You're not, you're not hearing the real story. You're hearing some of the stories. Everything he is handled internally. I know some of the things that went on in the program, and I know some of the prices that were paid by the players for the things that they did. So they were punished, and it wasn't reckless. Yes, the program got a little lax the last year because Urban really should never have come back after he quit. But the fact is, 
Urban Meyer is not a guy who coddled bad player, bad guys. That's just not true. And I can tell you that implication is wrong. So, uh, but nonetheless, players get in trouble, just like Len said. It happens every day on every campus. It's uh, and and Scott Donaldson, whoever you are, says he's right. Winning cures everything. Yes, um, any penny, you're right. Uh, so this is what we have tonight. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, we'll see where it goes. Follow the story and we'll, uh, we'll get more, more information as we go along. Uh, and, uh, we will, uh, we'll tell you when we hear something. And by the way, you folks are our eyes and ears. You hear things, you know, things you have people, by the way, I got to get this logo done. Uh, you guys, uh, you guys know things. This is what I love about the Gator Nation Kingdom. We're everywhere. Okay. And we know things and see things. And when you hear them and you know them, if they're not just malicious rumor or gossip, you can put them here and we will put them up on the screen and say, hey, I don't know everything. I don't know a lot of things. Uh, I'm glad that someone called it to my attention tonight about the controversy and confrontation because I had not heard about it. And luckily, we happen to have Graham Hall coming on. How good is that to have Graham Hall right there, punch him up. He spends a half hour with us. Now he's got to go write the story uh, for himself. So... That's the kind of thing we have here. We have a network. This is how it all started, remember? Remember this is how it all started when things were helter-skelter with the coach up there. When uh, McElwain was fired and Florida was in limbo and we all got together and we got into our little mode of, our little dilly-dilly mode and began having our late-night conversations. Uh, and, and, and we got together and, and formed the Gator Nation Kingdom, which is now is getting close to 2,700, right, Lynn? We're going to make 3,000 before kickoff. So uh, anyway, uh, Lynn, as I was telling us too, he didn't heard about it, and several of us have not heard about it. So uh, Keith Woodard said he heard about it. Uh, thank you, Keith, for calling our attention to it. You folks are sharp out there, uh, and thanks for calling it to our attention while we're on the air. Good job, everybody. Okay, uh, then Graham chipped in. Uh, let's see. Before I, I want to play this Bianchi interview because it's kind of fun. Some of you might not like it, but I think you'll find it interesting. Uh, and then uh, we'll put the other news and tidbits aside. I had to talk about the one that uh, we'll talk about it tomorrow night on our show uh, and catch up. Uh, we haven't got our guest scheduled, but Franz will be on tomorrow night. I'll reiterate, by the way, that we are um, very, very excited about the future of what we're doing and some of the things that are uh, we got in mind. And uh, we got do have plans for you folks. Uh, out there in the uh, in in uh, the the elite members, which we're working on. Again, these are the people you got to pay attention to, and you want to be sure and do that. Alcala Quarterback Club, Daniel Hightower Lawyer, CD Farms, uh, that whole bunch there. Uh, we've got. Um, let's see, we lost our. There we go. Uh, uh, Star Medical Research coming aboard soon as a sponsor of our football package. Why do you hear the football package? We're going to roll out. Whoo! It's going to be great. Uh, Danny Williams, we talked about Danny. Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood Center State Bank. Those are the ones we have now. So patronize them when you can. We do appreciate all that they do for us. All right. We're going to do this, and we'll stand by and listen. We'll come back and say good night, and uh, hope you enjoy this little conversation we had earlier. Time to go to the hotline talk to Mike Bianchi of Radio and Print fame, one of the few guys still doing it both ways. He is, uh, of course, the master of his domain in Orlando, all things regarding Gators, Seminoles, 
And now, I don't know what the name of the team is. I like Ombres. Let's check in with Mike and find out what's going on. Mikey, what's happening, man? Uh, you forgot also the home of the national champion UCF Knights as well. Was that in the notes? I didn't see it anywhere. I was looking for that. <laughs> <laughs> I did see your little uh, tete-a-tete with Paul Feinbaum and your repartee that you had. And I saw that I read the comment about the fact that uh, you and Feinbaum had kind of a peace offering there when you were on his program last time. We did have a peace offering. I also asked Nick Saban at SEC Media Days uh, about, you know, sharing the national championship with UCF. He actually gave me a very profound answer. Which was? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, essentially he got No, essentially he said, hey, I don't – I didn't come up with the playoff system, but, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not going to say UCF didn't belong in, but, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. He, I guess Nick Saban originally wasn't even for a playoff because he thought it would destroy the Bulls, which he's probably right. Eventually it will. But, uh, yeah, Nick Saban wasn't even for a playoff to begin with. Yeah, that's really visionary. <laughs> and that's another story. <laughs> well, I saw that you and Feinbaum talked about it, and that uh, Feinbaum's told you, I'll, I'll make a vow – I'll come down to whatever celebration you have. If you win it again this year, I'll buy T-shirts. I'll buy Mike Bianchi's Season of Glory book, and I'm all in, right? Yeah, although Feinbaum, you know him. He'll, he'll, if UCF were to go back-to-back unbeaten, he would, he would somehow change it. Oh, you, so I'm you're sure. accusing him of weaseling out already, huh? Oh, okay. No, actually, I, no, actually I'm not. I know Feinbaum, and he likes the attention, so he mm-hmm. would probably do it. He would probably come down to Orlando and do that. I like it when yeah. you guys have those little feuds. It's good. It's good in the off season. It gives us something to talk about. <clears throat> us guys in small towns with no, you know, uh, nothing to do. We got a chance to jump into your <laughs> feud. Hey, speaking of which, uh, you also started up low with Josh Heupel, the coach at uh, uh, took Scott Frost's place, obviously at UCF. And uh, a little bit of a controversy about the Trey Neal uh, from UCF transferring to Nebraska. But you're saying in your piece I saw today, or note that our tweet that uh, Hypo is not upset with with Frost about it, and uh, uh, although apparently he hasn't talked to Frost. No, but it, uh, uh, Hypo was on our radio show yesterday, and one reason he's not upset is because Trey Neal, who was the starting safety for UCF last year. Um, intercepted the key pass in the conference championship game to preserve the unbeaten season. But uh, UCF loaded at safety this year. Trey Neal was sort of – he was running second team. He's a graduate transfer, which means he has every right to transfer wherever he wants to. He was very close to Scott Frost and the coaching staff. And I'm just reading between the lines here, but I- I'm thinking jo- it, that Trey Neal was such a Scott Frost guy that maybe – you know, maybe Josh Heupel was like, okay, maybe it's best that you go play there so there's no, you know, sort of a split locker room type thing. Hmm. All right, speaking of Scott Frost, <clears throat> he came up with SB Nation uh, t- today. I saw it <clears throat> about his plan for the playoff, his thoughts. I don't know if you read it or not, but he's saying yeah. basically go to eight teams, all the Power Five champs, plus three at largest, and then play off all those games in December. Actually, uh, it's not a bad idea. No, I mean, it's so obvious. I mean, it, it, Scott Frost certainly isn't the first guy to come up with this idea. It, it, 
it, it's obvious. I mean, the four-team playoff, if you're going to have a playoff, then have a playoff that includes, you know, all the Power Five conference champions. You have your at-large team. So Alabama would have gotten in last year, even though they didn't win the conference championship. Um, UCF would get in because I'm not saying a group of five teams should be automatically included, but a group of five team that goes unbeaten should probably be included. So it would cover everything. And then you'd have no arguments. You'd have no, no debate and or or very, you would have fewer arguments and fewer debates, and maybe that's why they don't do it. Maybe college football likes these arguments and debates because it keeps them in the news. Well, my contention is it's about the money, and eventually they'll give in. They're going to have to. So, And I think eight's okay. Anyway, we can argue that another time. I, I just want to get to you on a couple other things. SEC Media Days in Atlanta. I saw you there. Uh, Atlanta was a pretty good venue. The SEC hasn't come out and said 100%, but – they're planning to have it back in Birmingham next year. What was your experience like in, in Atlanta? Do you think that's a good best venue? Nobody really cares but us. Uh, and uh, what did you learn from SEC Media Days? Yeah, I, you know, obviously, you know, Atlanta has the College Football Hall of Fame right there. That was a great setting. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to me, Atlanta is Atlanta. Atlanta's a cosmopolitan city with a lot of interest, obviously. Their soccer team in Atlanta draws 70000 per game. Um, obviously, they have a lot of professional sports in Atlanta. To me, it was great in Birmingham because Birmingham is SEC country. That's all they talk about in Birmingham. That's all they care about is SEC football. So, to me, I liked it better in Birmingham because I'm an SEC purist. And that's where it's always been, and that's SEC country. Atlanta's not SEC country. It's in the middle of SEC country, but it's not SEC country. So I liked it better in Birmingham. What did I learn from SEC media days? Um, I learned Dan Mullen is, is pretty darn good in front of a crowd. He, he at least gave the Gators a little bit of buzz, all right? The Gators have been pretty much irrelevant uh, over the last six or seven years, even though they went to the SEC championship game twice under McIlwain, they didn't create any buzz. Mullen has cre- at least created yeah. some buzz. I'm not saying it, it's a load of buzz, but he's created some buzz uh, in the SEC. He's created, obviously, he's created some buzz among Gator fans. So I like the fact that Dan Mullen seems to be um, – making the Gators relevant again. We'll see what he does on the field, but at least during the talking season, uh, Dan Mullen has made the Gators relevant again. Speaking of relevancy, this is none, but I'm in the middle of doing a series on the SEC Skywriters Tour, which led to SEC Media Days, and talking about some of the sports writers of that era, and you know the names and you knew some of the people. When you start taking off guys like Furman Bisher, Fred Russell, they weren't on the Skywriters, but they were sort of the gods of sports journalism and the kings of the press box. And talk to me a little bit about the heritage of your profession and about the fact that these guys sort of set the standard for covering SEC football. It certainly has changed a lot now, but give me your take on those early guys that you knew. Any memories of the press box when you sat next to Furman Bisher or Evan Pope or Fred Russell or whoever? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know who exactly, you know, the one guy that, you know, my, my first boss at a full-time job, 
Jack Harrison at the Gainesville Sun. Uh, he's passed away a few years ago, but Jack Harrison. I mean, yeah. When, when I talked about Birmingham being the you know the the heart of the SEC, to to me, uh, Jack Harrison was sort of epitomized that sort of writer because all he wrote about was Gator football and SEC football. Right. I mean, Jack Harrison rarely covered basketball. He rarely covered anything else at the columnist for the Gainesville Sun. He covered SEC football and he covered Gator football. And he was one of those early pioneers sort of that publicized the SEC and, in my opinion, made the SEC or helped make the SEC as big as it is because yeah. Jack Harrison thought SEC football was the most important thing. And guess what? Right now in college football, the SEC is the most important thing. And I think it's those early pioneers that created that. Well said. I think if you go back to that first Skywriter's True, which I was fortunate to be on, and this is not about me, but there were 21 guys on that flight, and they flew from school to school to school, and Jack Harrison was one of those. And the famous story about nearly crashing at Auburn, which was true, by the way. And, of course, you know the story that Jack, from there on, every year when he got near Auburn or landed in Columbus nearby, he would get his harmonica out of the PA system and play nearer my God to thee on his harmonica, which made everybody very nervous. But it was a group of fun-loving people, but also hard-working people. And you're right. We owe a little bit of that of gratitude to those people like that who led to this unbelievable mega-conference winning seven consecutive national championships and just making untold millions of dollars right now. And it all started with those pioneers and the ones before them. Let's not forget the old kings of the press box back in the day, Mike. I know you like a little old school talk once in a while. I just want to get your thoughts Absolutely, on that. Absolutely, I did. Hey, was Philip Marshall on the first SEC? No, his, his dad was on it. Benny Marshall of the, uh, of the uh, Birmingham News and Bill Lumpkin of the uh, – of the Birmingham Post Herald, there were 21. There are five left of the originals. And Bill Lumpkin's one of them. Who are the five that are left? Bill Lumpkin is one. I located him. John Logue, who was a terrific writer for the General Constitution. Neil Amder, a former sports editor of the New York Times. Myself and a guy named George Smith from the Anison Star. All uh, were are still living. And this series, by the way, running on BuddyMartinMedia.com, it's the second series is up now, talks about these people and about those times. And I love the comment by George Smith when he said he was sitting next to Furman Bisher one day and Bisher was typing paragraphs and throwing papers on the floor. And George turned to his friend and said, there's stuff on that floor I'll never be able to write as well. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I thought it was a great line. Okay, final enough for reminiscing, Mike. Your final thoughts on Coach Spurrier. I love this uh, little tweak he, he let out uh, up in Johnson City when he was up there for his high school state championship reunion. He's always got reunions of some kind. He's already on Georgia. Quote, I don't think Georgia is a shoe-in for the SEC East. Florida and South Carolina, a lot of people can beat Georgia. Alabama will be favored over there in the West, but Auburn can challenge him. He's already kind of sticking it to Georgia. Well, what a shock that he thinks Florida and South Carolina, yeah. two former schools, of course. could challenge Georgia. I, he had, I was interviewing him last week, and he, he shocked me when he said he didn't mention South Carolina. But I was asking him about Dan Mullen and the Gators and how he thinks Dan Mullen's going to do. He shocked me when he said he thought he thought Mullen and the Gators could challenge Georgia in the East. And the reason he said was 
you know, Spurrier still works out in the weight room up there mm-hmm. at the University of Florida in his role as ambassador. He said the Gator football team and the players just look so much different now that the new strength coach, Nick Savage, has taken over. And I got to tell you, McElwain's old strength coach must have been really bad. Really, really. Because, <laughs> because uh, Spur, I mean, Spurrier, Spurrier actually, I mean, he just went on and on about Nick yeah. Savage and how the Gator football team is actually going to be in shape this year. It, it, it astounds me when you hear the stories about how bad the strength and conditioning program was under Mack. It does. It really does. And by the way, yeah, the Pillsbury Doughboy quote from Taylor Bryant sticks out of my mind and the way they were shaped under McElwain. Uh, eating all those peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in his office, I guess, Mike. Anyway, Mike, it's always a good <laughs> good to talk to you. Thanks for your time. We love uh, listening to you and also reading you. I appreciate you having on the show. And uh, let's do this again before football season starts. You know what, buddy? I was hoping you would get. Uh, I was hoping you would ask me about your boy Urban Meyer and the the hot water he's in now uh, with what's going on with his, the coach he just fired. You need to talk about that. I'm well, I can talk about Urban it. Meyer I'll talk guy. about it right now. I talked about it earlier in the week. Zach Smith was the son grandson of Earl Bruce, if you know that. And uh, there were yeah. some issues regarding domestic violence. And I don't know the full background, but I did read about it. I talked about it with a couple of people on the show earlier this week. He, of course, was let go. By the way, uh, also a Gator, uh, Justin Watkins, incoming Gator freshman, also uh, kicked off the team for domestic violence, uh, uh, one of the charges that he had. Um, and, and two, two, yeah, two didn't you think it was unusual, but Didn't you think it was unusual that Urban Meyer let Zach Smith go, even though Urban had known about all this for years and years. He let him go when Brett McMurphy actually made all this stuff public. I got, I got to know ESPN more about it, but yes, report. I would say that he's got some explaining to do. Yes, I do. I don't know the, the details, <laughs> but yeah. Um, and, of course, you fall in and out of, of, of favor with Urban Meyer. One minute he's your pal, the next minute he's Darth Vader. So that's kind of how your personality rolls, Maggie. We know that. I've never been in favor with Urban Meyer. You oh, know you that. still you call it, you, but you also call him maybe the best coach in the country at one time. And uh, so, anyway, well, yeah, I've, yeah, I've never denied what a great football coach. Yeah, he's an unbelievable coach. Anyway, I, uh, I, I don't, I'm not here prepared to debate that with you today. I've just enjoyed your time, your company. Appreciate you being <laughs> on the show, and we'll talk about that another time. I'm open to it. Okay. Thank you, buddy. All right, Mike Bianchi. Well, there you go. Even got an Urban Meyer with Mike there. So that's been quite a night. Uh, again, thanks very much to Graham Hall, who's been just stellar on this program and and uh, for the the news that we got. And uh, I guess we know about all we're going to know tonight. So uh, <clears throat> um, I'm not sure what you got here, uh, James. Let him know the Verizon guy is still ready to come coach with him in Orlando. Okay, James, you have to PM me on that one. Okay, um, yeah, all right. So uh, yeah, we're talking football now. It's uh, it's late. Uh, I'm kind of tired, and uh, it's time for me to say good night to you folks. Good job. Had a nice crowd tonight. Breaking news. Covered that. Heard from Mike Bianchi. Now you can go put your head on the pillow and rest easy, and hope that tonight, uh, at, that tomorrow morning things will be cleared up, and you'll have a little better picture of what happened again with the Florida Gators. If you haven't heard, I suggest you go online and read the story. I'm too tired to recap it again. Players in trouble in Gainesville, not a good look. And then we'll see what the upshot will be uh, after this uh, incident, which happened May 28th. 
and there will be obviously some kind of uh, punishment, probably suspensions, but we don't know that yet. So we're not going to try to guess at it. We're just going to give it a uh, wait and see and report it as we learn. All right. So, yeah, Lynn, I'm with you. I'll post that comment to go out on. I like that that we finish up tonight. Let's just kick it off. There you go. Let's just kick it off. I think that's a good idea. I think we're going to be ready to do that soon. So have a good night, all you folks. Say good night to your fellow men and women here. Speaking of women, I haven't seen Jennifer and I haven't seen any of our female members. Where they all go? I've got to get back in here and get them and class up the act a little bit. So I thank you, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow at the same time. Buddy Martin, good night, G&K.